here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hey everybody, fans of film and games and maybe both at the same time, it is Press X to Reload, where we give uh, video game adaptations into film a second chance to see are they really that bad. Hopefully we can find some that uh, that disprove the theory. With me, uh, again, I am Nick Moore. With me is Wayne Brissett. Wayne? Hello everyone. And Mark Athanas. Mark? I'm here. And today we are looking at the 1994 film Double Dragon, which is interesting. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so just going to preface by saying we're not claiming all video game adaptations into film are good, but they can be enjoyable. And I, for one, enjoy this film. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Ooh, well, uh, I'm going to let Mark go first on this one. Ouch. Thanks. <laughs> what are my thoughts? Well, I almost wondered if they meant to make it that bad. Because it's bad, but in a fun, lighthearted way. I found myself genuinely laughing out loud at moments I knew I was not supposed to, but it was deeply entertaining from that perspective, but not from any sort of uh, actual quality as it pertains to filmmaking. Okay, fair enough. Now, myself, like I said, not ironically, legitimately, I enjoyed this movie. It is not a great adaptation. For those of you who have not played the Double Dragon game, it's maybe the simplest plot out there. An evil gang has punched your girlfriend in the stomach and taken her away, and you and your brother go to beat up all of the gangland members and get back your girlfriend, and then fight each other to the death for her because, I don't know, video games? Whereas this one... So, the plot is about an ancient amulet broken in half that will give you power of over body and soul that is being fought over by an evil corporate warlord guy in Los Angeles after the big quake where it's now powered by wind turbines on top of buildings. The gangs roam throughout the night and the cops enforce rule during the day. None of that has anything to do with Trouble Dragon at all, but that's the main zero crux of the plot. And it's just, they happen to know somebody who has half the amulet and the bad guy starts the film with the other half, and he just chases them for the entire movie. Not exactly what you would expect the adaptation to be. You could have made any movie out of that. It didn't have to be a double dragon. Uh, but that's what I find fascinating about this. I mean, just to emphasize what you're saying there, this it didn't have to be double dragon. You could have changed the same characters to Mario and Luigi and called this Super Mario, <laughs> and it would be just as true to the video game as... as even the first movie, which has nothing to do with Super Mario, like it doesn't matter what this is, it represents no video game. Actually, if anything, the, the best thing this movie ever did was I need to find the video game this movie's actually based on so I can play it because this is that would be pretty cool probably. So it's funny you mentioned that uh, because they did make a video game after this film based on this movie that's based on the game, and it was a one-on-one -on -one fighting game released in Japan only. Yeah, I've yeah, looked into out. this. I've become mildly obsessed about the the happenstance that created this film since watching it. A couple of really bizarre things. One of the writers is Paul Dini. Paul Dini, you mm -hmm. probably know, is responsible for Batman the Animated Batman, Series. Right? Yeah, He's Batman. a good writer. 
he made this. <laughs> Peter Gold is one of the, the story contributors. Peter Gold is one of the people associated with Breaking Bad and with Better Call Saul. And yet here we are. What I find really strange about this is the amount of world building and thought that's gone into something that has nothing to do with Double Dragon. The fact that they have thought, okay, if Los Angeles has had an earthquake and power has been destroyed, they have these gigantic wind turbines that they're lifting by helicopter to put on the buildings to continue giving power. The fact that they thought of, well, now everyone's wearing clear plastic fedoras on their heads so that if it rains, acid rain, they're not melted. <laughs> and that never has anything yeah. to do with the plot of the two Double Dragon Brothers. That's just a one-off scene in a diner setting up a backstory that doesn't yeah. play out. It is baffling to me and kind of awesome. I want to see a movie just about this version of Los Angeles, which is New Angeles. I don't want to see anything about the two brothers because, frankly, they're the worst part of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I feel like they tried to write it badly on purpose because, again, there are certain things that they explain, but then there are certain rules they don't. Like there's a throwaway line about I couldn't figure out why every time he went into shadow form, he didn't just go take the amulet. It seemed like a thing to do, and it's not until near the end of the movie they're like, the amulet's protecting you from him taking it. I'm like, okay, well, there that was. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody got, somebody got to the end of the movie and were like, you know, we haven't explained this power. <laughs> they decided to explain it. Oh, God. I, I think I'll, like, agree with Nick that obviously we're trying to find the good out of this. And, yeah, sure, there's a certain world-building element here that you have to appreciate. At the end of the day, back in the early 90s, Hollywood didn't really give time or budget to video game adaptations because Hollywood had no idea what stories and what video games were as one, right? Oh, yeah. So when they probably heard what Double Dragon or Super Mario was, it was like, no, 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 we need a script. We'll call it those to get those kitties in the seats, but we just need a, an action movie or something like that. So somebody had to create this world that does make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, yeah. the parts that make me laugh are the same parts that make you guys laugh, except where you found enjoyment in that, I actually found it was just... Oh, I just wasn't entertained by that same laughter, but it did make me laugh. I laughed <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm going to attempt to go through this movie somewhat chronologically because I, okay. I feel like there's a lot of really fun moments in this bizarre train wreck of a film, uh, which I genuinely I can't wait to hear one. genuinely recommend seeing this film. All right. So let's start with this medallion. You have him talking about this medallion that he breaks in half because it's too powerful or important. So they've they've hidden it away. The, the bad guys are going to take it back, and they're setting fire to this village that I guess is, is hiding this amulet. And one monk goes running off, and the villain's lackey goes chasing after him into a cave. And you think maybe she's going to confront him and kill him or intimidate him. Instead, she sees him hiding up in the top of the cave, and he looks off to the side, and she looks. And he just has the medallion hanging on a statue in plain goddamn sight. <laughs> and then she just... Takes it, looks at him, he does nothing to stop her, and she leaves. Why did he even run away? <laughs> Why not just hand it to her? I had a good chuckle at the the opening monologue, because it was like, you know, this king, he uh, he sacrificed himself to make this amulet, and then he hid it. I'm like, I know. he hide it if he sacrificed himself? He's immortal! <laughs> That's what I said so, to Corinne. I'm like, and then he broke it in half, but isn't he yeah. already dead? <laughs> yeah. What kind of sacrifice was it? Like, he didn't, you know 
go to the gym on a Wednesday? Like, oh, what did he do exactly? But just it was a bad double date. Oh. That was a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, and he made these two kids. That's how I come up with the double dragon, yeah. double date. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but like, you find out that the narrator of that epic story is the villain Robert Patrick's character, and what I love is yeah. he's giving this narration to his three, I assume, top three thugs. His three most important thugs. One of those three is the woman who went Huey and got Lewis. him. Oh yeah, Huey and Lewis. Yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> but one of those thugs, the woman, she's the one who got that first half of the amulet. It clearly looks like half an amulet. She has put it into a nice box for him. He is giving his speech. She looks all happy. The two thugs behind her look all happy. He's talking about how you know once he has the entire amulet, he will be unstoppable. And she still has this smug look on his face, but he hasn't opened the box yet. And then he opens it and says, where the hell is the rest of my amulet? <laughs> and the guy on the left behind her who does the look away. <laughs> no, that, my yeah, those two guys are actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I want to see their story. That's what I wanted to see, especially the way the movie ends. But oh, we'll yeah. get there. But I wanted to see their continuing adventures. They seem like a joy. But like that moment right <laughs> yeah. there, that very scene – that to me set up what kind of film I was in for. Cause the first scene <laughs> with the, the monk and why did you let him take the amulet? I was ready to hate this film. This makes no sense. This is stupid. And then I realized, no, it knows it's stupid. It kind of enjoys its stupidity. And then I looked into it and sure enough, the director, who I don't know him for much of anything, James Yukik, he mm. said, this is supposed to be aimed for, you know, like children and young audiences. I don't want to make anything too dark or too serious. We're just going to make it lighthearted and fun. And he maybe went a little too far. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think Maybe. he. I think he doubled and then tripled down yeah. on lighthearted. He double dragoned on going too far. This thing is so light. It's so light. It floats away. It is great. Oh my God. But you go from that scene to where are your your two heroes of the story fighting for money in the post apocalypse? Which I don't really understand what the money's for, since they live in a right. dilapidated theater. Their station wagon of a vehicle that is amazing, amazing. It's a rocket engine on the back of it. It's got like a a plow on the front <laughs> and glowing red eyes. It's literally powered by garbage. I don't yeah. know why money matters to them, but yeah. whatever. They're, they're fighting, and you get to meet them, and you very quickly realize that the one in blue is stupid and can't mm. fight, and I don't know why he's there, and it could just be single dragon, and it would still be a good story. Um. You know, that that does bring up the one thing I actually was genuinely enjoying about it was, uh, was Mark DaCosta. Yes. Um, he's the only real martial artist in the movie, so when he his fight scenes are generally a little bit better, even though they're not heavily... Uh, choreographed his fight scenes are better uh, but he can do stuff was martial arts in this movie yes there was um anytime he, he fights vaguely. you can see some moves <laughs> yeah he can throw a kick <laughs> well and what kills me is he's he's opposite scott wolf and mark there he's a legitimate martial artist he plays mm. zero in john wick three like this is a guy who knows his stuff even though this is early yeah. in his career scott wolf from party of five can't fight at this point in his career, as far as I'm concerned, can't act and just mugs for the camera as hard as he possibly can. And what was kind of killing me, and I, again, it initially it was bothering me, but I grew to kind of appreciate it. How well do you guys remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? 
The Secret of the Use. Just watched it last week. So oh, it's amazing. I remember I, that I particular remember. movie. There was a huge backlash against the first one because of the amount of violence and them using their weapons, and it's bad to teach that to kids. Yeah. So the executives pushed them on the second one. They can't use their weapons, and they spend it's the terrible. entire movie like goofing around and hitting people with like salami yeah. at one point. <laughs> they never really fight ever and i feel like scott wolf yeah. watched that and said oh that's what martial arts is uh, <laughs> because yeah, that's yeah. what he's doing much. the entire time whereas his counterpart the other lee legitimately is doing kicks and flips and everything i would expect out of a double dragon corinne's watching with me and more than once she goes why didn't they just cast someone who can fight like is player two terrible in the game like no they're equal skill. <laughs> yeah. they're equal skill <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there was one funny reverse camera shot when they invade the uh, their sanctuary there and Mark Dacascos he goes to do a flip to a higher level and it's a trick we used to do in, in our little home movies he clearly just did a backflip off the higher level and they reversed First, yeah. the footage because his, because his flip up is unnatural like it's impossible to do that flip the way he did it and that was pretty funny and that that actually touched home because that made it feel like the old home movies we used to make and i was like oh man that i, I mean we probably could have made a better movie but they used to, they used the same trick so that was very touching for a video game comparison yeah i think maybe they were showing it's a uh, an older brother playing with a younger brother and Ooh, the younger brother's got go. player two i like that player two is in blue and he's awful so yeah <laughs> if you want some nostalgia from playing with your your kid brother or sister or whoever that's what this movie is <laughs> but like you meet them a good 15 minutes into it and before that you get an entire thing about all of the different territories of los angeles including la canada which is awesome you get andy dick <laughs> yeah. as the weatherman talking about black yeah. rain and like i thought i hallucinated when i saw several people in that diner putting on clear plastic fedoras which I was making fun of him. Crew was like, no, no, that's probably because of the acid rain. Like, oh my God, they thought this through. They didn't think through the character <laughs> development of either of the Double Dragon brothers, but they thought through the acid rain hats. That's oh, maybe the biggest saw. problem with the movie <laughs> is they put a lot of real care and attention into the story, which clearly was Paul Dini. And then the director got a hold of it and decided to make something goofy. But I kind of oh. like the goofiness. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the... Uh... There's a, that infomercial for the, oh, I guess every home comes with the little air jack to lift the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, and I was just waiting for more of that. Just more, anything more about that. Especially after they stop the competition fight they're in halfway through That's... so that one of the guys running the show can jack the building back up so they don't all die. How important yeah. is money that you're all willing to fight in a dilapidated, <laughs> about to crash building when, as far as I can tell, housing is free in the city because it's all run by gangs and destroyed anyway. But whatever, that's, at least that scene lets you see that, again, the red dragon is a decent fighter and not a dick, and the blue dragon can't fight, noogies someone in a competition, tags out his own brother when he's winning, and is generally a terrible garbage person. So at least it sets up the the status quo, which was nice. Yeah, who they are. Yeah, and it sets up their mentor, who, as far as I can tell, is their caretaker with only 10 years on them. I don't really understand how that works unless she's their the, sister. The, the horrible hair dye. It's actually funny when you're talking about them at the beginning showing them, you know, in that fight and the one being a fighter and more resolved, but the other one being a bit of a dick and selfish – if you've never seen the movie before, you might actually think, oh, my God, they're actually going to do like maybe a brother feud at the end of this, just like the video game. Mm -hmm. no. Nope. 
<laughs> nope. But at least it justifies nope. it better than the video game. The end of the game, you fight each other just because. Here, I'd want to punch Scott yeah. Wolf at the end of this. His character's yeah, a dick. I, yeah. I wanted to punch him yeah. like three minutes in, just listening to him talk and dialogue and just... <laughs> There's a scene where they almost crash their car. Yep. And they're like, oh, well, look at the other guy's car. <laughs> they show the alley, and the only thing I kept thinking was... You stopped in the alley because it was a dead end, and behind you is a totaled armored truck. Your car is now useless. Oh yeah, you have to get yeah. the, you have to tow out the armored car because your car yeah. can't go anywhere. Oh god, they must have done it. And that whole scene, though. I love that you have them refuse to pay a toll to the the gangs that roam at night, yes. and then they get chased by the monster truck with a bobo, Bo a bobo. Mm. The gang leader oh, who oh, is, oh. what, like seven feet tall, 350 pounds of just pure stupid hate. He can bench press 800 pounds, I'll have you know. Apparently. I don't really see how that works, but you know what? I'll believe it. He Why was. He, they, they classified him as 800 pounds before they drugged him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. But you have this stretched out chase scene where he's chasing him in this monster truck. They're literally smashing into garbage going down the street so they can reach out, grab the garbage and throw it into the compactor in the middle of their station wagon. Because apparently they, well, they watched back to the future too and realized you can power cars with garbage. Um, (laughs) But I love, they look like they're cornered there and he gets his monster truck wedged into the middle of that alleyway. The, the power core that shows up, you have them all kind of showing up and repelling down. And then they show the shot of the graffiti wall and the three people that are wearing jackets in the same color as the graffiti yeah. on the wall and turn around as if they and were they, invisible up to that point. Do they stand yeah. exactly and standing, there, and standing there all night? Right. Do they stand exactly <laughs> yeah. where that spot is just so they can do that on that uh, rare occasion? Oh my God. That was amazing. <laughs> As cars are literally banging off the walls, crashing. Uh, I did a double Nerves of steel. Nerves of steel. Oh, my God. That was (laughs) so fantastic. I totally forgot that Alyssa Milano was in this movie, and it is mostly interesting. It's clearly at the height of her as a sex symbol because they take very, very not subtle attempts to sexualize her, and it's just so funny. Because it's so ham-handed. Oh, my God. It's amazing how offside they are. (laughs) (laughs) But then later on, you have the first time you see the villain really using his shadow power, which I kind of like the idea of the shadow power, the the, the power of the amulet. Between, like, taking over other people, though it was pretty obvious when he jumps into their mentor and starts saying, oh, yeah, give me the amulet. You guys leave. I mean, come on. We all saw through it in like five seconds. But I enjoyed they at least try to give it some sort of neat little power there. And then they have uh, an arguably pretty terrible fight inside the theater, which, again, I think it's which one's Billy, which one's Jimmy. I think Jimmy's the one that can fight and Billy's the one that sucks. Am I correct? I think Billy sucks. Uh, Hold on. Either way. Uh, Billy, Mark, Jimmy can fight. Uh, Jimmy was Mark. Okay, so Jimmy we like. Billy, bleh. <laughs> so Jimmy has a somewhat half-decent fight against the the one of the two identical-looking henchmen, chasing him through the theater and using different stuff to defend himself. And Billy just acts like an idiot for a while until they accidentally lock their mentor into a cage that they can't unlock, which I never really understood. They close that cage to stop her from getting out when she's possessed, and then when she gets unpossessed, can't they just open it? My favorite part about that scene is that from the moment they locked it, you could see how flimsy the cage was. Right. (laughs) 
and she kicks it once and it almost bends in half. Right. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's just like, well, if you coordinate any effort here, you'll get her out. Right. <laughs> it's a, amazing. Yeah. But, you know, she does the mentor thing and sacrifices herself because all mentors have to die partway through the story so that the heroes can grow without them, which did lead to one of the funniest exchanges in that entire film. Their mentor has died in a fire, exploded, saving them from the villain. They've gotten away with the amulet. It is less than a day later and they're out on the lake and <laughs> and one of them, I can't. I think it was Jimmy. Jimmy's it's the one Jimmy. I like, so I'm going to assume it's Jimmy, is sad it's that Jimmy. she's dead. I'll call him Bimmy if you're not sure. So Jimmy is sad that she's dead because it's been less than 24 hours, and this is oh, no. someone that – That's Billy that's sad that she's dead. Oh, my mistake. Billy's only human moment. I am sorry. Yes. Billy if you're not is sure, sad. just call him Bimmy. 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 So Billy is Bimmy if you're not sad sure. that she's dead, and then Jimmy says, she's gone. Get over it, and grabs the only remaining <laughs> sentimental thing that they have about her and throws it into the and river. throws it. Yeah. It's been less than a day. Are you yeah. mad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my good God. And I don't know where they grab that. I don't in, know. In, in in the ensuing hijinks, I don't know when they stop to grab a memento, but uh, <laughs> I love, <laughs> I just love that the immediate response <laughs> is to whip it into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like- There's a part of me now that's wondering is Jimmy prone to just terrible emotional outbursts like that? And that's why Billy's a bit of a dick because he's tired of Jimmy's. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Maybe Billy's not the bad guy. There's a whole untold story. They should have fought at the end. Oh, God. <laughs> just an untold story. I love how quickly they go from, I'm tired of you making plans. But we need to think, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will admit, the only we'll time I would tend to lose a little bit of interest is anytime they tried to have emotional growth because they were terrible at it. And anytime Alyssa Milano's cop dad had a plot line because really, uh, yeah. it would have been great in a different movie, but it didn't fit with the the double dragon movie that's happening because most of the world building didn't well i was trying to figure out what type of detective he is because his daughter puts on a wig every day and he has no (laughs) idea that she's the leader of a gang like she's gone at all kind of strange hours and i mean he's not he doesn't work at night because the cops don't go out at night so (laughs) gap is amazing at night yeah in his defense as a father your kids do a lot of stuff over the course of a day you stop paying attention at a certain point So I'm I'm understandable of that one. That's fair, right? I, I, f- I feel like if either of your children disappeared for extended hours in the middle of the night, you may become wise. Every night. Every night. And ardently One night defends, you might catch it. Ardently defends. <laughs> My kids could be out right now, both members of the Power Corps. I'd have no idea. Based on later in the film when a bunch of eight-year-olds are there waiting for Anakin to murder them, I could assume my uh, kids true. are members of the Power Corps because apparently there's no age limit for the Power Corps, which is outstanding. Yeah, they start young. Yeah, it, I, I'm not even sure what type of gang they were because at one point it seems to me like they were terrorists, they were blowing up whatever, but then the other time it's like, no, they're really just a playground for kids. Like I really didn't uh, I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> I feel like they were like really militarized activists. That's what it seemed like because they wanted good, but they were willing to punch their way to get there. Uh, so I kind of liked them other than the fact that their name was stupid. But the the next thing that struck me as legitimately great, and I don't know why it never happened again because it was awesome when Shuko 
Kogashuko. There we go. That's his name. Yes. Kogashuko. Name he gives himself. Yes. <laughs> Kogashuko shows up to basically get all the gangs under one banner and faces off against literally the guy from The Hills Have Eyes. Mm. Instead of a big yeah. protracted martial arts fight, he has his shadow choke out the other guy's shadow. Yeah. I like that. And part. it works. And cool. it's awesome. Yeah. Why does he never do that again? That's freaking great. Yeah. You should do that to everybody. <laughs> but yeah, like that was that was really cool to me. And then he never does it again. But that was pretty wild. And then you have the big finale fight at the end, which at least had some good stuff. Jimmy at one point getting kidnapped and having to fight Billy. That was kind of entertaining, though. Again, Billy can't fight, so it didn't end up being much of a fight. <laughs> Yeah. Again, the limitations of casting someone who can't fight or act in a leading role. But having this big attack on the power core where all the gangs are coming in. I don't know if you guys noticed, but you have all these villains smashing windows and repelling in. And one just comes through a window with yep. no repel rope and just screams and falls. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. That was amazing. I, that was one of my favorite parts. That was so good. Favorite parts. I'm like. I was like, I'm not sure that stuntman made it. I think that was a genuine scream. <laughs> I think he came through the window because oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a rope beside him as he's falling and it's looking like he's trying to grab it, but not. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that scene. I think that guy, might, that guy might not have made it. And then not much of a fight at the end, unfortunately, with Robert Patrick there. They just kind of dummy him for a little bit and then it's over, aside from Billy trying to throw away the amulet because he can't figure out how to make it work. And then it just comes back to him That's and works. That's what they do, right? When they're not... When they don't want it, they just throw it well, away. Well, so here's my theory, and the this is maybe the most <laughs> this is the most video gamey moment in the, the the film, in my opinion. If you fail at a game enough times, it comes back sometimes on the option screen and goes, "Would you like to go down to easy mode?" He gives up in that fight, yeah. goes to throw away the amulet, and it goes to easy mode and hands it back to him. This movie is deeper than you think. <laughs> your, only, your only flaw in that logic is at the time this movie was made, I don't remember video games saying, would you like to go on easy so mode? So it's spearheaded. Yeah. It's a pioneer. Even Yeah. Better. Yeah, if anything, that's the reason games are we're, easy. We're, we're giving that's it a great way idea. too much credit there. I love the, the, the power of you suck is basically what turns the amulet on. I love it. <laughs> Nick's putting as much thought into this as they did into world building. It's true. <laughs> but uh, they beat him and the day is saved and the rest of it's kind of, you know, whatever. But it's funny. Like, and then my favorite into... part, Go the ahead. credits. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but like looking into it, Robert Patrick, who to this day in interviews does not regret being the film. He still says it was a fun experience. And he enjoyed playing that villain because it's just kind of a fun, over-the-top thing to do. He initially joined up because of his love for martial arts. And he thought, a martial arts film, I want to be a part of this. And then he does almost zero martial arts in this Nothing. film. Yeah. And he can fight. Look at Die Hard 2 when he's fighting on the, the plane, beating the crap out of Bruce Willis. He can fight. And yet they don't utilize yeah. him at all, which is a little baffling to me. But he is fantastic in this film. Oh, yeah. The whole getup they have where he looks like douchey Edward Norton. The the way that he speaks, what was it, that, that thing of you're like a son to me? <laughs> Just like a oh, son, I can have another one. My God. <laughs> the one-liners in the best this line. are so good. Oh, I, my God. I, I, I was, la like again, laughing out loud because the one-liners oh, yeah. are so, so brilliant. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> woman saying to Alyssa Milano, who's the boss now? Who's she the boss? I, yeah. I just love the, is this water supposed to be on fire? And then the news report is <laughs> the Hollywood River caught on fire again. Again. <laughs> yeah. The boat chase that results in the river being on fire it's just, again. It just happens. The water just bursts into flames. 
Oh, oh yes, God. by the way, for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a, a huge boat chase that happens after the gangs all pile together and decide to fight Bimmy and Jimmy. Uh, and you think there's going to be a big you fight, and really Bimmy. they just <laughs> run for their lives. Though, I do like the one moment where they're holed up inside, I think it's like a shed, staring at a motorcycle that has a good sight gag where it falls apart. The bad guys try to get into the shed, and I think it's Billy pokes one of the bad guys in the eye with like a stick. And then one of the other gang members gives him a hug to console him. And I thought that's the most wholesome part of this movie. See? Solidarity (laughs) in the gangs. That is great. I was, again, (laughs) laughing out loud because I was just like, are you serious? They had time to stop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And show this tender moment. Oh, it's fantastic. (laughs) But, like, the overall tone for this thing is so lighthearted and fun that I just, I couldn't not like it. It was just, it was a good time. I was never bored. It was insulting intelligence-wise, I'll admit that. It is an objectively bad film in terms of character development and all that stuff, sure. But the movie's just glad that it even exists, and so am I. (laughs) Yeah, man, I wish I could share that. But (laughs) My my enjoyment from it comes from the sometimes you need to watch a movie so bad that you're asking yourself continuously, how did it get made? What were they thinking? And at what point did they just say, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to keep going on this path and have fun with it. And like, I think they probably again, like, you know, Robert Patrick saying he had fun with it. I'm sure he did. I'm sure it was a good time because at some point when you don't really have to try, I'm sure it's just a good time. A good time to be had. And it's kind of a good time to watch, but do not like if you go, I can't recommend it. <laughs> I do. do. I thoroughly it, recommend it. But if you watch it, I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's a, if you watch it, it's you're watching it to see how bad it is. That's because that's kind of what I went into it with. And I was looking for anything good. And the best thing about it was that it was so bad. It's laughable, which somehow made it, parts of it entertaining but there were moments where i was bored i was just like come on like you're taking yourself a little too serious okay you're back to your okay you're back you're back you're you've lost every time that it tried to take itself seriously three seconds later it went oh that's right this isn't a serious film and it completely 180 on it and i was so happy that it did every time it started to get a little bit serious and melodramatic i lost interest and then it would correct itself and I'd be happy again. This thing was a Saturday morning cartoon with live people. This is a film where the characters are fighting and at one point get thrown into an arcade cabinet of Double Dragon, which means in yes. the in the world, the game Double Dragon, Double Dragon exists. Yes. But what is it based on? I mean, it could be based off the normal stuff of the game because this movie clearly isn't. So never mind. I take yeah. it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds that the video game characters in that world <laughs> Our name Jimmy and Billy Lee. Zero. Zero percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a legitimately but, fun hey, time. But at least they got at least they got some character names, right? You got Billy Jimmy Lee. Yep. Uh Marion. Boa Bobo. Like they took some names from the game. The names, yeah, like they they grabbed some of the stuff, but all of the things they tried to add to the game, because the game is a very minimalist plot, all the things they added don't gel with the existing story, but are way more interesting than the existing game story anyway. So, whatever. Yeah, it's just too funny. All right, so we are in mild disagreement. I recommend it. You two do not. That is okay. Yeah. yeah I, can't, I cannot in good conscience tell anyone to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I'm trying to also think back in 1994 when anybody who went to see this movie who doesn't play video games, isn't really aware of video games, but knows that this is based on a video game and their thoughts of watching it. I, w- I would just love to know that. Fair enough. Does it like say, this is why we don't play video games? <laughs> <laughs> 
Or are they like, huh, wow, there's a lot more world building in video games than I ever thought there was. I should go play video games. Maybe this is where the world building started. There you go. Give exactly. credit where it's due. It created easy difficulty options. It created world building. We need a double dragon MMO. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we will bring this one to a close, uh, but we will come back. And next time we will be looking at one that uh, is looked on a little bit more favorably. We will be looking at Warcraft. We thank you for joining us at Press X Reload. I'm Nick Moore. Again, with me was Wayne and Mark. Gentlemen, have a good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having me. Enjoy. We'll see you again soon, guys. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenis, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.